back to the RKB Podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. And we're the Blanchard Brothers, back with you once again. We took a little bit of a breather from Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out yeah. there. Happy belated this show. Mother's Day. Yeah, happy belated Mother's Day. So, uh, yeah, we're a little late on our on this 2x2, two two, but you know, there is no schedule because days and time and weeks don't mean anything. But maybe they will shortly. Mm, time know. is Time is a construct. So also a flat circle, if I remember correctly. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. So. If I could put time <laughs> in a bo- Yeah, we, I don't uh, know. I don't know when we're oh, opening up again. I don't know what the state's doing, but. Uh, uh, apparently, uh, like gyms and salons, this coming Monday, we're open for outdoor dining and indoor dining at half capacity. I'm I'm still not back to work, I can tell you that. So we need the customers to actually want to come in yeah, in the first place. Yeah. To, and I don't know how many places can operate at 50% capacity and still, like, afford to be open, but we'll we'll see. I, okay, let's move off of that. Yeah. Because <laughs> we've got some exciting stuff to talk about. I don't know. I don't know how you felt about these. Oh. This might be, this might be a downer week. I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. I, yeah, we so can talk about it. We got another 2 by 2 retro review, as you saw in the description. We're talking Cutter's Way and Wasabi. That's, that's coming up. Coming up in a few. But... For right now, anything you're watching that you want to catch up on, I, I got to do a little bit of this with Mr. Sunshine Mayfield on our most recent episode. I don't know if you checked it out, but I had a chance. I know, your, ours. I, I know your tradition. Yeah, it's no. a good one. It's a good one. I highly recommend it. We got some new tunes on there. You might want to check. No, out. yeah, I didn't want to check it out because that I started listening to that uh, Pearl Jam joint on the way down. Gigaton. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, did you say Gigaton or is it a good time? Gigaton. Oh, yeah, that's the name I of it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought you were asking if it was a good time. It was well, a good time. Okay. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I guess I'm asking that as well. I'm, I've never been much of a vet head, but, you know, I'm just... <laughs> I I was waiting all day to Thank make that Thank you, joke. Mr. Eddie Veter. <laughs> Eddie Veter. Hey, this is Mr. Eddie Veter from accounting. Can you uh, help me out? I'm in a bit of a, a little jam. Little Richard and Elvis Presley are the Methuselah. <laughs> right. I wish no, no. I could remember it off Little the Richard and... What does he say? Little Richard? I the gods know. of Rowan. and Iggy Pop is Methuselah... Methuselah or something. <laughs> and Dewey Cox yeah. is most definitely... I have no idea. I can't remember the speech. Me neither. Okay. That's definitely... That might be a candidate for a retro rewatch. But you did point. mention it, so we'll mention it here. Little Richard did pass away. Yes. So... R.I.P. to... As, as many people have rightly reminded us, the true... King, King of, of rock and roll. roll. Yes. Let's be real. And I say that as a diehard Elvis Presley fan, but yeah. let's be real here. So, yeah. Because, so you're saying, I mean, I don't know. You say Little Richard is, Little Richard's the the guy for everybody that people you don't. Do, you, he literally invented like what it is to be a front man. Right. He, they're like, I, I'm sure you could point to individuals beforehand who he was like yeah. influenced by, but literally, he redefined so he, like what the modern like rock you persona him, is well do you put him in the same class as like chuck berry do you put him there in the same they're contemporaries or no contemporaries in terms of they made music around the same period of time or i mean in terms of like people's introduction to rock and roll how they see them because a lot of people talk about how like you had the blues and like muddy waters then there was nobody really that the public could get behind it till you had chuck but no one talks about little richard and that's my thing. He's the guy, but no one wants to give him his credit. Well, no, I, I think historically people have been good about rewriting the, the yeah. narrative of like, no, he is kind of the, the Rosetta Stone, if you will. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's Miller time. Yes. Okay. Oh, uh, wow. So I've been watching The Last Dance. Mm-hmm. That, 
advertising works. That's why I'm drinking Miller Lite oh, right God. now. Dude, once you watch them, like, crush it in an NBA final and, like, literally walk to the locker room and crack open a cold, an ice-cold Miller Lite and talk about how, like, Scottie Pippen's in the background just like, sometimes we're in the fourth quarter. That's all we're thinking about. Like, we're not even thinking about winning the game. We're just like, we got that ice-cold beer waiting for us. And I was just like, dude, these these giants, these multimillionaires crushing it in the game, they're drinking Miller Lite. They're not too good for it. I was like, I used to love Miller Lite back in high school. <clears throat> and um, You know what's not good? And I was like, yeah, yeah, let me, you know, let's go for it. So I'm drinking Miller Lite. You know what's not good? Miller High Life Lite. High Life Lite? Yeah. That's a separate... Have I ever told you this story? <laughs> Maybe not. So we're hanging out at my buddy Brian's house. We're out of beer. His mom's in town. She's like, let's go get, let's go to Walmart, get beer. Go to Walmart to get beer. And I'm looking. She's like, what you want? I don't know. I've been thinking about, I've been drinking Miller High Life. Maybe like High Life Lite. She goes, well, okay. And I'm like looking at her. She goes, get it. And I'm like, oh, I don't have any money. She goes, I didn't say if you had money. Mama's buying. Get it. I was like, oh, thanks, Roberta. So I buy this like 12 pack Miller High Life Lite. Get back to Brian's house. I consume all 11 of them, and I'm like, I don't feel shit, dude. This beer is terrible. As soon as I said something, throwing up on the side of his house for the rest of the night. Mm -hmm. Sneak up on you. (laughs) That and Yingling on tap are the only two beers I've gotten that sick off of. All right. So, yeah, stick with Miller Lite. That high life stuff ain't no joke. Okay. It really is a champagne of beer. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. And and don't drink underage kids. That was was some fun humor from a 29-year-old. Yeah. Oh, you do. Yeah, we gotta do. Regardless of whether we're still in lockdown or if the world's still here, on the eleventh of of this October, we gotta do something fun, dude. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Something for thirty years old, dude. We'll what see what do? happens. Dirty thirty? Is that what they say? I don't know, man. Mom was pretty clean. <laughs> I got right. tested and stuff, and like you know, all that. So I'm pretty clean. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to my doctor's visit, where I've got to be like, yeah, I guess I haven't been to the doctor in I don't know how many. It's been a while. But I definitely I gotta talk, get a, I gotta talk, get a talk, Doc, I'd like to talk to you about low T. I've been taking a multivitamin, Jesus getting of lots <laughs> just picture you like stepbrothers. Well, you know, I've been taking a multivitamin. Yeah. <laughs> getting lots of exercise and good sleep. You're just gonna wake up, you're gonna crack your back and be like, Oh fuck. So this is thirty. Shit. Oh, I've been there already, man. Trust me. It's yeah. setting in. Okay. So moving right along. Any I mentioned I'm watching the last dance. It's it's killer. We got one more week of it, and then it's over. So I'm savoring it. I haven't watched episode eight yet, and then we're getting nine and ten this coming Sunday. Uh, Maybe I'll spend Sunday watching all of it. Yeah, you should binge yeah. and catch up with everybody. Definitely. Great stuff. We'll talk about it on the other side. I yes, guess. I'll um, take notes. What we do in the shadows, season two, killing it, loving it. Run on HBO. It's whatever. It's okay. Um, I think that's it on the TV. Is that Domino Gleason? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to watch that. Weaver. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit. Maybe. I don't remember it's it. It's worth checking out. I'm still interested to see where it goes. I'm still watching it week to week. but That's right. There's that. Dude, it is just so hard. I don't know. When is CBS going away? Do you have a date for me? Can you tell me? Oh, I can. Yeah, I can do that. Okay. I mean, not right this second. Well, yeah, no, at some point. Because, that. like... I mean, I want to watch new stuff. I want to like you know get into stuff, but I mean, I gotta watch, I gotta I gotta see what happens with Horatio and, and the and the crew. So I take it you finish yeah, season finish, five. Finish your season. No, if season five's I, done, I'm working through season six. How many total? Uh, I don't know. I think there's like 
10, 11, I don't know. I used to know at the height of the show, it costs like millions of dollars to shoot in Miami. Mm-hmm. And I looked it up and I and I was right. In between the time that show started and that, LeBron comes to Miami and wins championships. So what does that do? Property values are going up. So it me. becomes so expensive. Plus, they start making up technology that's not real halfway uh-huh. through the show, which I kind of like and kind of don't, but I love it for the guest stars, dude. Like, his big, his big like, season finale cliffhanger, who, who did he, who shot Horatio, was it this? Kim Coates. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Crazy. All right. So, still, uh, his ex-wife, Elizabeth Berkeley. What are you going to do? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, tons of, tons of fun cameos, I promise. So, I take it you have not watched... The first episode. You said it was a downer. Which is true. You said it was a downer, dude. I, I mean, you and I struggled our way through Plot Against America, which was incredible. The first five minutes of this show, I was like, I don't know if I can watch more of this. What is it? What's it about again? So it is based on a novel. I think I mistakenly said on earlier episodes that it was based on a true story, but it is Maybe. just based on a novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, called I Know This Much Is True. It was an Oprah book club thing. It was so it was a huge bestseller like after the fact i guess mm-hmm. but it's set in the 80s uh and it's about two twin brothers both played by mark ruffalo and that on a technical level to begin with is just one of those magic tricks that you're like what the hell um but one of them is a paranoid schizophrenic uh and their mother passes away in the first episode hmm. which leads to a pretty crazy reaction by the schizophrenic brother and before she passes away of course she wants to make sure that the uh, oh, minor detail. They go to it first episode. Slight spoilers. They're known as the New Year's babies because one of them was born like a few minutes before midnight, uh, and the other okay. one. So they're technically a year apart. Um, their birthdays, you know. Anyways, uh, so yeah, it's just a it, it's a human drama character story. It's fantastic, but it is it is so tough and wrenching in parts. But it's great. Ruffalo's in there, Catherine Hunt, Juliette Lewis, who I hadn't seen in a while. Yeah. Great, like, performances alone, you gotta watch it. But again, this is Derek C. in France, the guy who gave us Blue Valentine and The Place Behind the Pines. So know what you're getting into as far as, you know, emotional devastation. Uh, Six episodes, from what I understand. Um, I'm there every Sunday. It's, I mean, it's riveting. It's incredibly well made, but it is tough to watch just based off the first hour again. When was Place Beyond the Pines? Is it 2012-ish? 13? It's really early. I just, you Maybe can 2011? see. 2011? I'm sorry. You can just see in the way that Mahershala, like, plays in that character that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the direction or just the way he shot and what it is, but you can just feel in there, like, what it's like to be that dude. And if There's, I can get that I, from just him, I don't know, that, that's that got to be a, a, a... He's one of the great, like, humanist directors. Yes. And I sadly, like, I'm a huge fan of him. I have actually not seen The Light Between Oceans, which is, I believe, Fassbender, and I want to say Alicia Vikander from uh, Ex Machina, I think, but I might be wrong on that. Uh, She's yeah, the one that I looks just, like... I, uh... I missed it in theaters, and I never caught up with it, because it's another one that seemed like it was just going to be, you know, take that's, a toll on you. So. That's... Bobo Amelia Clark, right? She kind of looks like Amelia Clark. I would never call her Bobo. I'm just I'm using the far better actress. Yeah, I get it. I'm just using like I'm just using the how did this get made of it all joke. Yeah, Yeah. you could say that, I suppose. Yeah, she's the same age range. I I could see people confusing them, but for the record, much better actress. It's like the girl from Take Me Home Tonight looks like Kristen Stewart. The same thing. 
It's ex- exactly. Yeah. I don't know that girl's that name. That reference that everybody yeah. will totally get. Tell me her name. Okay. <laughs> if you know it out um, there. So yeah, I highly recommend that one, but again, not not a fun watch. There's not I'm not really watching anything that's like new and like fun right now. How and maybe can I you? need a little bit of that. So I mean so, you desperately need it. And then, but how can you? And then again, I've told you at night I'm watching Mobile Suit Gundam, which just gets more and more oppressive and depressing as it goes along. <laughs> and just like you're just like they're just stuck in this endless conflict, man, and like there's good people on both sides and like they can't they just can't get it together. The, and I'm like, this is ostensibly a kid show, but it is just like, it's got so much more shit going on. What a smart, like, just, it's one of the best, like, anti-war pieces of popular entertainment I've ever seen that really illuminate, because you're, fo- you you're following, like, your hero crew, yeah. like you would expect to in any other show, but you spend so much time also with, like, here's the quote-unquote villains and what's going on on their side, and, like, their inner turmoil, and then, like the bullshit bureaucracy of the good guys and like you know it's it's great stuff i'm really enjoying it maybe maybe we'll have to do a show on it at some point i mean i'd have to catch up with you but we could try i just i I don't know if we talked about it the other day but i just feel like the i feel like there's a lot of stuff we missed that i don't think our parents would have been like oh yeah i get disney stuff they took us to they're like oh there's the jokes for us as adults but I feel mm-hmm. like we're in the age now that like stuff's being made by the kids who have gone back and looked at like, oh, dude, there's all this shit in Mobile Suit Gundam that like I completely didn't think about as a child. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. we're the generation of kids who like there was a ton of stuff being made that we didn't catch because, oh, it's robots and stuff. And we go back and check it out. And it's like there's a lot of human stuff going on here. Yeah. And you take that and parlay that into like something like you were talking about last episode with the, uh, what is the, the <laughs> podcast one? And it's like, it's like a podcast every oh, episode. Midnight Gospel. Mid- yes, I knew Midnight yes, was yes, in yes. it, so. Okay. Yeah. Um, Mom told me she watched Midnight Special. Oh, yeah. She texted me about that as yeah. well. Crazy. I, I got to give it the rewatch Please again. do. Yeah. I have a copy of it. Plus, it's on streaming, so. I want to know what old Jeff Nichols is up to. Honestly. Me too. I'm hoping he had something in the can or like didn't get stuff, you know. You do not know. I do know that, again, The Quarry, which I still haven't checked out yeah. on VOD, which is Mike Shannon. and Oh, I, we do have a new release, I guess, that maybe we want to plan to talk about next week. Capone. Yeah. What the it it dropped on Friday. Tom Hardy as aging syphilitic <laughs> what capone yeah yeah, yeah. what where? where it's on to it's it's coming on demand because you know oh all right theaters being what it is but it's available right now no as we're recording this it dropped uh it dropped on tuesday it dropped okay well, tell or, me whenever or, excuse you me we're after midnight now it's officially wednesday but oh. it came out today basically okay uh directed by josh trank wrote chronicle big new hot shot they give him Fantastic Four. I've still never seen that movie. It's regarded as one of the biggest bombs and one of the worst superhero movies ever made. Um, apparently, he got it like taken away from him by the studio. I don't know. A bunch of like internal bullshit. And so he's kind of like, you know, been off the radar for a bit. But the, this is kind of trying to be his comeback movie, I guess. I thought he had something. No, that's not it. I'm thinking. He's had his name on a couple other things. I forget. I thought he had something to do with Power Rangers, the reboot of that. I, I, just because I it said like from the producers of Chronicle or like the people the who same made Chronicle studio or the producers I yeah. thought so I don't know but anyways uh, I'm, de- I'm 
for the Tom Hardy performance alone, we got to check it out. Yeah. It kind of, I mean, it seems like hit him doing like an American version of Bronson because supposedly this movie is like pretty bad shit and out there, which I'm excited about. Particularly like the trailer, it's kind of whatever. The thing that sold me on it was Ryan Johnson posted on Twitter that like I've seen this and it's it's way more nuts than you guys think it is, and it's it's great. So make okay. sure you check it out when it comes out. So did you um did you get mom's Twitter text this morning? No, well if I I don't know what what I missed. So apparently this Saturday, there's going to be a watch along party for eighteen with everybody from the that movie and the new one. Mm-hmm. The man himself is going to be a part of it. Jamie Lee, Dave Gordon Green, all of them. Starting Where, to, who is this available through? Twitter. You basically oh, start okay. with them on like you know. I think it's like an hour and a half before they're gonna start with questions and stuff. Then you watch the movie together, and then it's like a wrap up thing. With before we talked about the before trilogy recently on our yeah. previous episode, they did this with uh, before sunrise. Yeah, sunrise. They were doing the first one because it's a anniversary. Or yeah, it just been, it's like twenty five or something. Uh, and they entered. They did a watch along. Everybody live tweeted it, and then. After I guess they pre-recorded the interview and then they aired it afterwards. I'm not sure. Yeah. But Ethan Hawke came on and talked like in quarantine with everybody. Great stuff in that one. Um, Same kind of thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know if it was going to be public or if there was some like donation barrier or something like that. But when is it happening? This Saturday. Okay. So, so Saturday the for anybody that's listening to this on time when it comes out, I guess uh, Saturday the what? Sixteenth. Sixteenth. I'm sorry, I don't have a calendar in front of me. I'm live producing the podcast. Yeah, you are. Yeah, so tell me what day. Yeah, 5-16. Okay, yes. So the 16th on Saturday. Check it out. 18, live rewatch. And I guess it's still available on HBO for people? Uh, Either HBO or moved over to Cinemax. Do you know notice who... that like, everything that was on HBO yeah, three sh- months ago is on Cinemax? It's on literally Amanda? like, I feel like the bids go out and like, okay, we'll take these 10 first. And Cinemax is like, I'll take these 10. You know who apparently is killing it? And of course I... Of course, we hear this after we've gone through every other service. Apparently, Stars has like the yes, best dude. library every, right everything now. Everything I've wanted to watch is says, watch with Stars. Yeah, and somebody didn't want me to keep it, dude. Mom, not you. Because they ju- no, I'm just saying they, they didn't shift it around. They didn't. The they didn't at the point. Yeah. Okay, we're we're literally just complaining. Any movie rewatches, or do you want to get into two by two? We can go into two by twos because I don't think I've watched anything. But yeah, I talked about pretty much all my recent ones with. Mayfield on the previous cast. The only other one that snuck in, or no, I mentioned it, but yeah. Tell me every single one as slow as you can right now. Yeah, I don't. I literally don't have any that we haven't talked about on mic. Oh, okay. Well, you're not even gonna name them for me. You gonna make me listen to the episode? Can't hardly wait. Scorpio tensions. (laughs) Um, that was that was it since the last time. You don't think I would want to talk about? You don't think I want to talk about Can't Hardly Wait or Cruel Intentions? What I talked about in that episode, which I was hoping you listened to, was the fact that that is the epitome of a movie that is pointless in discussing because it would literally just be us repeating bits from the movie for the most part and pointing out things that we love about it. So what I realized while I was rewatching it, it's a commentary movie. About that's a perfect one to do a live commentary for because we've seen it a billion times. There's just you know. I thought you meant like it's like a commentary of like the state of like teen comedies it at is. the time. Sure, <laughs> that's exactly getting, what I was well, saying. That, dude, you don't know how like in when we get in depth with these things, some of the stuff that I've said that like 
I'm not gonna lie. I think it sounds pretty dope. Like sounds pretty cool. <laughs> I've come up with on the spot. Like I'm not that smart. Okay. So okay. sometimes talking through some stuff with you, I'm like, I get like a random epiphany. Like it's, it's this. This is what it is. <laughs> and I gotta tell people about it because right. I mean I don't have that sitting there watching it by so myself. Yeah, I threw that out on the previous episode. But if anybody would like for us to do a live commentary track, it is one of our collective favorites here at the site. As far as teen comedies go and movies oh, yeah. of that era. And, and it holds the I was going to say, is it, can sure. we say, probably one of the more underrated ones too? I don't think so at this point. I think it's got so much like fan love built up, especially of people of our generation who now write for outlets and stuff. No, I think it is appropriately appreciated for being one of the best teen comedies of all time. Yes, but... I, but it, it was underrated for like a decade. I was going to say, gonna because I feel that. like... When if, we were in high school watching it, Yes. Five or six years removed. Because I remember being a kid and seeing a, like an E! Entertainment promo thing, you know, where they used to do the, we're live on this set or whatever. Yeah. And it was all centered around Jennifer Love Hewitt and coming off a of party of five and like, I know what you did last summer and all of this. And like, this is her next big thing. She's the it girl at the moment. I remember that promo for it still, again, like five, six years before I actually see the movie. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that, but that is one that I shared with my friend group in high school as like, you guys never seen this one and it's the second you see it you fall in love with it for the most part i don't know anybody that actively like dislikes that movie because the mosaic of characters it's kind of got something for everybody and i'm sitting here talking about what seriously if you want to hear i told you we should we should the arc of the only the only thing i was gonna i wanted to say is like this is a weird way to judge it but it doesn't get as near as many like parodies in another team movie you get the oh, whole Lacey Chabert, like, oh, you think I fall in love with whoever writes me a letter? Did you get that bit? But I don't remember a lot of, like, callbacks to Can't Hardly Wait. Obviously, she's There's all that's the, in there. They have a whole letter thing. That, yeah. Yeah. That, and they have an end-of-the-year party, which it could be any high school movie. Yeah. Um, I'd have to rewatch it again, to be honest. But regardless, most, it has the best meta, one of the best meta jokes because of the casting of Lacey Chabert. It's like we make her look exactly like Jennifer Love Hewitt, but it's not Jennifer Love Hewitt. It's the other younger sister from Party Five. Exactly. Five. That's genius. The, yeah. Yeah. And Jakey Jakey about to make a big mistake. <laughs> Who would have thought that kid is going to be Captain America? Dude, I'm telling you, you can see it. But what you can also see is like, why did we not get 10 more Chris Evans comedies? Like, he's natural comedian. Great actor. He's the best part of the losers. He's the funny one. Yeah, that's right. I forgot yeah. about that movie. You know who the bad guy is in there? Jason Patrick. I was gonna say. I took me a minute because of the night. Well, no, <laughs> I, I want to go. I want to go Idris Elba. But I'm like, no, wait, wait. He was a good guy, but turned on him. Yeah, it's totally Jason Patrick. He's like, that doesn't mean He's throw him off the roof the whole time. Yes, like that doesn't mean throw him off the roof. It means like bring him over here. What are you doing? You want to talk about one and of the most underrated actors of all time, Jason Patrick? Jason fucking Patrick, dude. I'm telling you, why don't we don't let's skip directors. Let's start doing actors. Everything you want to watch? Oh, that's a rewatch I didn't tell you about. I completely forgot. Fucking Narc. I rewatched Narc about three weeks ago, and I just forgot to write it down. I was just, I forgot how fucking gritty that shit is, man. Yeah, man. Who made it? Joe Carnahan. That's right. It is Carnahan. Yeah. Still his best movie. Yeah. Just makes you really want an A-Team sequel. I, I'll ride or die for that one. I like it. What the A-Team or Narc? Both of them. Yeah, fucking A-Team's amazing. But A-Team being underrated, NARC being like, I need to go back and rewatch that. Yeah. Good Leota. Good Leota. A lot <laughs> of good Leota. Yeah. 
But no, I remember that opening shot being what that that's like pre shaky cam taking over everything. That was one of the first times I had ever seen that implemented in a movie in that fashion. And it was like nauseating. I feel like legit nauseating the opening of that. Movie. I feel like whoever directed the assault on precinct 13 remake stole that from narc because you know in the opening when he's undercover it gets oh, yeah, real crazy no, that scene is literally yeah i yeah. feel like put in after narc became kind of an indie success there for yeah a bit. okay now you ready for two by two yeah Retro let's do news. it all right we're gonna kick it off with the the downer of the bunch i'm sure i'm sure you're okay with doing that yeah okay from 1980 or 81 i think it's 81 i believe it is 1980 we are talking about Cutter's Way. Take a listen to the trailer. Give this clown enough to cover any damage. You'll get it back in a couple hours. Come on. Introducing Alex Cutter. You're kind of sexy. Do you have an appointment? Hey, Alex! How do I look? Hey, you look like a fat man on a horse, Georgie. Huh? Black's rich. Cutter's wife, Mo. The, um, Richard Bone fan club is now complete. This, for instance, is a tomato. Food, huh? Yeah, I remember food. People used to have to eat it during the Prohibition, didn't they? Occasionally for days on end. Cutter's best friend. My charger's got a bad battery, but will I do? Oh, no, you're too old. <laughs> Richard Bone. Buy some vitamin E. Well, it's been better for me, too. He's drunk. Their life together wasn't exactly ordinary, but they never bargained for Cutter's fantasy. Is there Richard Bone here? Crushed trachea, fractured skull, 17 years old. That's him. This young friend of yours is pursuing some fantasy of his own and includes me whatever we do falls under the heading of justice dishonorable and gutless Tony, you gonna do? <laughs> it's not a question of what i'm gonna do it's a question of what you're gonna do with the time you got left i'd say that you're the one that ought to be very very careful not us you're the witness remember i've got one big problem what's that imagination i have even begun to let my imagination loose on this one john hurd jeff bridges and lisa eichhorn in cutter's way a film by ivan passer from u8 classics all right talking cutter's way from 1981 uh not the light domestic comedy that maybe that trailer makes it sound like I Very odd trailer. I don't That's part of why I wanted to include it. Gavin anything. was looking at me completely baffled. What through the entire movie of that. is this? Well, hard movie to sell. I think we could say that mm, from the beginning. I simple movie to sell. Y- the what I read 
which was misleading, was, you know, the Vietnam vet gets involved when friend is accused of murder. So in my mind, it's, oh, like Bridges is in prison and he's got to like fight against the odds and like the physical impalement, impalements, impairments to like help his buddy. Mm-hmm. And I realized very early on that wasn't this movie. Right. And that it was a lot of like wrong place, wrong time, anecdotes for everything. And it's just pretty much how much will you like Cutter's ways, like how much are you going to put up with this dude until he gets his way? You're going to give him any static? You're going to get in his way? Or are you just going to let him do his thing? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It just, it's almost like a. I mean, it's definitely neo-noir, which is what you've been giving me a lot lately. And I appreciate it. I mean, personally, dude, I really fucking love this movie. I really thought it was great. It is one of those, you're talking about a blind spot one that just out of nowhere. Yes. And we can get into it at the top here. This basically was like, not necessarily shelved, but just nobody knew what to do with it. Because I think they originally wanted Dustin Hoffman to do it. He had a scheduling conflict. circulated around for a while. Particularly if we want to get into, you know. Some well, I think that deserves, casting. Well, no, I mean, I think that des- it deserves for well, something like lot, this because a lot of stuff surrounding the making is. I found some cool, cer- cool yeah. stuff during research. So, um, but yeah, Dustin Hoffman was circling it for a bit. Um, notably, I know Tom Berenger apparently wanted the part really bad and was turned down multiple times. It says, "Ouch!" So I don't know how that works. Like, I guess you, you know. Maybe he pulled a Sean Young and showed oh up, my God. like with his arm tied behind his back yeah. and an eye patch. I don't know. Maybe he like was gonna cut off his own leg. Uh, Nick Nolte. Yeah, hey, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, Nick Nolte. A hundred percent. And he's definitely not quite in that mode yet, but he's well on his way for sure. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, who um, this might be a possible spoiler for a future retro review. I might make you do. Have you ever seen Rolling Thunder? Yeah, I have. Dude, it's. Yeah, there, I, there's like 70% an amazing iconic movie in there and then there's 30% that kind of makes it like oh my god could they have just trimmed this out the movie would be so much better but an interesting That's one to talk one... about regardless but if you see Tommy Lee Jones in that movie oh my god does he make sense for subbing right in here That's the one that joy. Tarantino came up to Erica when, when she lived in Texas and was like you ever seen this? and she was like no, I don't think so. He goes, oh, and he like, like I named a whole re- distribution he, label. No, no, he told her like <laughs> yeah. the entire movie apparently while they're watching. No, no, they were like somehow she wound up at like a, a grindhouse theater watching this with him and a bunch of other people, like forty other people mm-hmm. somewhere in Texas, and it was you know, Rolling Thunder. Who does ultimately get the role of Alex Cutter? Mr. John Hurt. For those of you who don't know who John Hurt is, he's Kevin McAllister's dad. Yes. Peter McAllister. For pretty much everybody. Everybody. Um, notably, he gets this because Ivan Passar, or Ivan Passar, I don't know how we're going to say it. He said Ivan Passar in the uh, in, in the, the trailer, trailer but so. yeah, we'll see. Um, he saw him in a Shakespeare in the Park production of Othello. Now, it doesn't say what role he played. It has to be but Iago. I assume, because that's like the highlight role. Right. Theoretically. But I just thought that was interesting because, of course, he was in, oh, the Tim Blake Nelson modern-day yes. version of Othello. And he's not the Duke, 
Martin Sheen is the Duke, but he's the dean of the school. So right. I guess he's the he's above the Duke in the context. I, I it's been a while since I've read Othello. Honestly, it's been yeah. since like sixth grade uh, literature. But yeah, um, yeah. So he. A lot of people in contention. He's not really a known guy no. at this point, but obviously he sees something here. And it's one of those you go back to, again, the reason I wanted to do it in the first place, I discovered this one essentially when John Hurd passed and everybody pretty much across the board was like, this is his lost role, his everybody should have seen this, like he should have been a much bigger star, like he still had great roles over the Spend years. Spend more than 60 grand on the release. Because yeah. if you, you probably found your notes... United Artists merged. They didn't know what to do with this thing. This is one they, of those where the former heads of the studio were very on board with it, very mm-hmm. happy with it. And then there's a changing of the guard in between the movie getting finished. Right. And then the next guys are just like, we didn't have anything to do with greenlighting this, so we don't care about what happens with the release. And it's a, it's a tale as old as time. Listen, $60,000, sure. it's not a lot of money today. Definitely wasn't a lot of money in the '80s either. Not to market something. And you're—I mean, we're we're right after Empire Strikes Back. We are firmly moving into the blockbuster '80s. Yeah. So yeah, a, a smaller movie like this was definitely going to kind of fall by the wayside. Uh, but I'm glad I caught up with it, and it did not disappoint in terms of being labeled his like truly iconic role. Oh, dude, I'm, I got so many like incredible. I got there. so many Snake Plissken vibes from this. You know what other vibe I got from this dude? Kind of sounds weird, but I put it in my notes. I got like a, a Gary Sinise Lieutenant Dan vibe. Like For sure. Sinise definitely had it's to hard watch not this. To think, think about him a little bit. Yes. Yeah. One of the more iconic Vietnam vet performances as well. Uh, okay, so again, the overall story, I'll give you the, the kind of IMDb log line, and then we'll talk about how, again, the movie's not really what you're expecting Mm-mm. maybe going in. Alex Cutter, John Hurt, came back from the war minus his eye, a leg, and an arm, and mad as hell. He lacks direction, drinks too much, and abuses his wife, played by uh, Miss Eichhorn, who we'll get into. Also, incredibly underrated. That is one of those that people have gone back to and been like, why was she not nominated for supporting actress? Like, this is a travesty. It's totally in that like that mode of performances that, especially in the 70s, where like somebody could come in and just kill it for like 10 minutes. And you give him an Oscar. I don't know why she wasn't up there. Oh, Anyways. dude, dude, hold on. Sorry. Why you got to interrupt the plot description? I was already getting signed. Listen, enough. listen to me. March 20th, the day this comes out, the postman always rings twice. Guess what comes out the next week? I don't know. You want to give a little, me a little, little, little neo-noir, if you want to call it, a little movie from Michael Mann called Thief. Mm-hmm. I don't know how big Thief was at the time, but like this movie... Not- not big, particularly. It made its money, if well, I remember correctly, from our episode. Well, yeah, I mean, it made five grand its opening weekend. Cutter's Way didn't even make enough to, like, put it on. The Final Conflict also came out that weekend. I was trying to figure out what a... There's Excalibur, The Howling... I'm just trying to see where it fits and what comes out shortly after it to where, like, you just get lost in the shuffle. Well, just if there was something also, big. That's The reason all. I mention the fact of it being an 81 movie, this is a classic, like... This movie belongs to the 70s. Yes. In spirit, in tone, in everything about it. And it just, it feels like people had kind of moved on from that being like a 
a thing you want to go out and experience on a Friday night on an opening weekend, you know? Mm -hmm. So it seems like it would have needed legs to come out. And famously, this was movie was originally released as Cutter and Bone. Yes. Which is the title of the novel. Right. After it performs pretty poorly, even though it gets really good critical notices, a few months later it is re-released as Cutter's Way and it manages to basically make back its budget but doesn't like light the world on fire essentially but over time it has become one of the forgotten favorites and a, a total gem that you can recommend to people so mm-hmm. again back to the plot description alex cutter came back from the war minus an eye a leg and an arm and mad as hell he lacks direction drinks too much and abuses his wife one night his friend richard bone that's jeff bridges witnesses someone dumping a body in an alley no, not, not, not accurate. Really. Not accurate. It turns out to be the body of a young girl. When Cutter hears about it, he embarks on a crusade to expose the killer. Enlisting the help of the murdered girl's sister, Bone reluctantly joins them. Are they right or are they in search? Are they right or are they in search of their white whale? Okay, I didn't see how he was phrasing huh. that. but And there is a little... I remember reading that description and thinking like, Okay, I'm looking for a little Moby Dick Ahab subtext in here. Because I'm also coming off... I remember I told you about Gunshy. Yeah. Peterson and Michael Wincott. Mm-hmm. So much Moby Dick in that movie, if yeah. you ever end up watching it. but He even says, like, that's the best book he's ever read in the trailer. For Gunshy. Yeah. But you didn't watch it yet. No, not yet. I oh, haven't. Okay. That might be an episode. Is it on Prime. CBS Prime All Access? Or you had to rent it. I think Gunshy might have just been for, or it's like $1.99. Okay. We can rent it again. Okay. It's worth it. All right. It might be worth it. That's not my pick, by the way. Okay, good. But anyways, okay. So, right off the bat, Bone doesn't see anybody dropping a body. Okay? We open the movie with, again, this man's name is Richard Bone. This dude's a gigolo. He's a straight up (laughs) Richard Gere American gigolo. We are introduced to Dick Bone. Boning. In a a country club. Not mid-bone. They're post-coital. Correct? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is the, hey, you got your keys, you got everything? All right, I'm out. Yeah. And at first off, Jeff Bridges, totally ripped. Oh like my god, dude. The, the early eighties version of ripped. Where are we in relation to Starman? What year is Starman? Eighty two. So we're we're coming up on it. He will probably leave this to go do Starman. So he is but immediately the one of the most just most gorgeous, luscious mustaches oh my god you have yes. ever seen that yes but that was also what kind of took me out of it for like a, a, a just a tad bit because i was just kind of like really Dude, but i, I get like it it belongs i, I get it ladies. it belongs to the 70 no he's on his way to go do tron after this oh yeah i gotta be i mean 82 then, is tron and then starman is when 84 dude weird. against all odds and starman in the same year I should have brought my copy of Against All Odds and made you watch that. Well, damn it. Maybe next time. Okay. So he is at a country club where he has laid a, an older lady, a married woman, of course. Of course. And we'll, we'll come to learn that he basically, from what I understand, he kind of vaguely works at a marina. This whole movie is set in Santa Barbara. It could be called Down and Out in Santa Barbara. Yeah. If you wanted to call because these people are definitely like on the fringes of society in general. Right. But, uh, so yeah, apparently that's his deal. He kind of works at a marina, so he's ostensibly trying to sell boats to these older ladies, but he'll settle for, you know, just banging a rich lady who will maybe like pay for his next meal sort of thing. 
Pretty much. And he's just kind of wandering around aimlessly. That's that's his vibe. Right. Okay. With a last name like Bone, it has to be. Yeah. Dick Bone. I want to reiterate that for people. Okay. So shortly hereafter, on a dark and stormy night, he is having some car trouble. So he pulls over in an alleyway. Now, in the background, there's some stuff going on. He's not quite sure what. We as the audience can see that, yes, there is somebody dumping a body. But he is not. Oh, he does not see this happen. He is aware of a car being behind him. And we just. I, I was like, he gets out of the car. I was like, okay, so now's where he goes and finds the body. And we see a grizzly shot. And it's like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. But no, he walks away from his car. Leaves it. Walks into a bar. This is our introduction to Cutter, Alex Cutter, John Hurt. And he's several beers deep. He's holding court, point. dude. That's yeah. what he's doing. That's that's him, man. That's that's it he's gets that guy. Racially tinged at one point. And um, they bring up, oh, he was in the war. As soon as that's like the get out of jail free card immediately. Uh, but yeah, it is some time before it's in. They read it in the local paper, right? Right. No, no, no. The no. next day he gets he up gets and the cops bro- are asking Excuse me. He gets brought in the very because next morning. his car was left there. Again, his car broke down. And he's brought in for questioning because there was a body dumped. Mm-hmm. A girl who had clearly been essentially raped, tortured, beaten, and and killed. And thrown out like, like trash. Like garbage, essentially. Yeah. Yes. Very rough stuff. Very rough description. And then this is not normal police procedure. It can't be. In Santa Barbara camp. This was so fucked up. This is a beach community. But they immediately... (laughs) He's like, oh, by the way, I have her sister here. I have the girl's sister. Can you tell her exactly what you saw? And I love that he immediately has the reaction of like, what the fuck? Why are you putting (laughs) me in this position? And thankfully, they don't make us sit through the awkwardness of that scene, but they capture it very quickly of just like, why would you ever... Like, you know, what a horrible position to be stuck at. So we have this going on, and it's kind of... It's kind of just background. We're getting to know a little bit about Cutter's home life. And for a while you think, okay, maybe this is going to be one of the, I feel like there's a lot of them in the 70s. And it's kind of a reoccurring thing in American dramas in general. But these weird pseudo love triangles where Mm -hmm. you have two guys who are basically in love with each other. Right. Some form of friendship. And then you have the woman kind of equally interested in both of them thematically again i know you haven't watched gunshy but i'm like dude gunshy is like bobo cutter's way a hundred percent you gotta watch it it's it's nowhere near as good as this movie heads up but yeah yeah. but so for a while i thought maybe that's the vibe we're gonna get here because when bridges shows up at this house shortly after he leaves the country club and he doesn't have cutter with him when he takes his truck yeah they were leaving the bar he takes his yeah he takes his key so he can't drive and takes his truck home. But you're thinking like, oh, he gave him a ride. Nope. And then you kind of eventually piece together, this is Cutter's wife, and there is like so much sexual tension immediately yes. between Bone and Mo. Okay. Eventually, Cutter shows back up. He gets dropped off by their mutual friend who works at the marina. Right. Obviously, he's probably helping Jeff Bridges, employing yeah. Jeff Bridges, all he's that. He's a little more well-off. He's established in the community worth mentioning for later but yeah we spend a good bit of time just kind of like 
not really piecing together, you know, slowly piecing together the character dynamics because they're not spelling out anything for us. Yeah, we didn't see this trailer. I'm not supposed to know that yeah, she's exactly. his wife. There, yeah, and there's not, thankfully, a ton of like bullshit exposition in here where they sit down and just to, it's a lot of just characters interacting and you fill in the gaps essentially. Yeah. Which again, I I dig. I, I like, like it. It's way more engaging than just laying it out there for you. Eventually, they go to a parade. We should mention really haunting opening credits to this movie. Um, yeah, where we see bits of this parade that we're eventually going to get to a little ways into the movie, but with a extremely creepy Jack um, Nietzsche score. And Jack Nietzsche did. Um, there's a few other ones worth pointing out here. So uh, that's Frederick's brother, right? <laughs> yes, hundred percent. Okay, just making sure. Um, he did. Officer and the Gentleman, oh. Cuckoo's Nest, oh. Moulin Rouge, Starman, oh. notably. Yeah, that is right. He, yes, that is Forget not Carpenter. That That's right, yeah. yeah. That's the one he did. Uh, yeah, tons of stuff. Really haunting score, and like, definitely a mood setter, but it sets you off kilter. And that's kind of the whole movie. You really, you don't know where it's going. You don't know what to expect. Everything is so, exp- it's one of those I love when movies... They perfectly, and whether they mean to or not, they perfectly give you a, this is it. And it's like, well, no, like later on he says something like, well, no, this and that. He goes, oh, yeah, really? You know? Well, you know, his dad used to work for this guy. And all of a sudden his dad, he, he Alex Cutter has an explanation for everything that will fit his narrative That's, and the fantasy. That is the. One. But it also presents everything as completely real to where, like, no, this guy's fucking crazy. But if you just. You, you got that eye patch. You got that charisma. That I don't give a fuck attitude. What have I got to lose? I've already lost an arm and a leg. You know, why would I even give a shit? I'm, this is something I'm passionate about. Let me do this because I'm not passionate about much. I don't have much to do in life anymore. Let me do this. Like. It presents both sides so equally that you really, you have no idea. And that's the beautiful thing about this movie. That's the biggest thing about it being labeled as a mystery or a thriller of any kind. All of that, all of the investigation of this woman's murder and disappearance is all off screen. Yes. I love it. There is so much left out. And I was struggling for a bit to like, okay, what, what is the point in withholding? some of this information and it eventually led to kind of my overall take on the movie which i haven't i'm sure people have gone into this in other places so i don't think it's necessarily like a new thought but when i started to look at this as essentially the ultimate parable if you will for post-vietnam america yes it is just you can draw almost one-to-one parallels with each character and what they represent and i was like this is some like master level shit mm-hmm. that I like did not really see coming. This definitely makes me want to so, read the book. Yes. Eventually they're at a parade. Right. And Bone just randomly is like, that's the guy. That's the guy I saw out in the alleyway. And it turns out that this guy is part is an oil magnet, which we don't find out until way, way later into the movie. We have right. no idea what this guy does. We just know that he's powerful within this community. Right. Okay. And that he has some sort of ties to dude from the marina, Jeff Bridges' boss. So he says this almost like, you know, throws it away, not of his own volition. It's just, it strikes him and he's like, that's the guy. And Cutter is the one who latches onto this and he's like, 
that guy, that's the one you're talking about. Like he's he's a big deal, essentially, and he's the one who doesn't let it go. And you see very early on that like he's he's got a fire lit under him, essentially. Yeah. So again, mostly off camera, he's doing all this detective work that we never really see. So we're left to question again: Is this an invention of the narrative he already has in his head? Because Bridges the whole time doesn't want to commit after the fact to like I don't know it may have been him I'm not really sure like it was like raining I did it. get out and see the guy because he I mean he does yell at the whoever drove yeah. off Cutter goes as far as when they're at the country club to kind of like make an open statement about this guy little does he know that the wife is right at the table behind them right and like there's this kind of looming sense of like is there something we should be freaked out is there a legitimate threat. Or is all of this very, very one-sided? The uh, murdered girl in question, her sister comes into the picture, as we mentioned. She gets brought into the police station. Bridges tells her side of the story. Cutter eventually hooks up with her because she's, of course, wants justice for her sister. Right. And so they're kind of like gung-ho, ready to go on this mission. And Bridges the whole time is just like... Getting dragged along by the skin of his teeth. He's kind of a nomad. He kind of like, there's mention to, hey, you checked out. Like, you know, I went to the war. You didn't go to the war. You had your easy pass out of it. And that's that's all you've continued to do. You just kind of float through life. You mm-hmm. know, nothing really seems to stick to you. And it's, it's kind of a war between these two mentalities of tr- eventually trying to bring him over to, you know, this is what we need to be doing. This is what I need to be working on. The straw that breaks the camel's back is after he and Mo, excuse me, he being Bone, finally hook up, which it's kind of been building to, but we've kind of been like, this is not a great idea, but maybe it's going to happen. And of course it ends pretty much how you would expect it to, which is like, okay, well we did that, and now what? Like, you know, we're still in the same situation. We've only made it worse, essentially. And I gotta go. Like, that he leaves. Like, yeah, he, he fucking leaves. That's all he knows to do. And shortly thereafter, the house is burnt down. Now, Bridges knows she was distraught. He didn't leave things on good terms. So he's he's wanting to write it off in his head as like, that's what this was. She took her own life or whatever. And I boned course, her and then she <laughs> yeah, offed herself. Yeah. Essentially. And Cutter, of course not buying it he just didn't see you leave yeah like that he was after you yeah he was after you followed you he knew what you look like he just didn't see you leave the house man he thought he got you he wasn't out the the realization and the way that her delivers the sobering stuff that like i guess you're made to be like this is what this guy has made up and will believe to the day he dies the delivery is the delivery is every part why this was his fucking role. Yes. Because it's, I cannot... You tell me these other names of people, and, and I'm like, nah. And why, again, to a certain extent, even though Jeff Bridges is top build in this movie, yes. and it's originally titled Cutter and Bone, Cutter's Way makes a hell of a lot of sense because he so dominates the movie, especially where it ends up going, that, like, yeah, Jeff Bridges is in this, and he's he's totally solid. And worth mentioning, did you catch this in your research? They go to pitch Jeff Bridges on the movie. Mm-hmm. Ivan Pissarro, one of the producers. And they go to his house. And one of Jeff Bridges' dogs <laughs> bites one of the producers on the face. 
Ouch. Very painful, very expensive surgery, whatever. And so he jokingly says that, yeah, I basically had to be in Cutter's way to avoid like a million dollar lawsuit from this guy. I couldn't say no to the role at that point. Um, so if you want to look at this movie as like Jeff Bridges has a gun to his head the whole time, it kind of works for the character. Somebody who's like kind of forced into doing a bunch of shit that they do. So this is all method acting. He doesn't really, this, he, yeah. 100%. Yeah. He's just trying not to fuck it up and piss off the He's producer. just there to He's say the lines. He's trying to avoid a lawsuit. <laughs> yes. So we could, we could read it as Cutter is the producer who has been physically altered by way of Bone. And now Bone is just kind of there for him. Yes. But doesn't really want to be. And at the first sign he can get, he'll fuck his wife and leave. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, in a roundabout way, sure. I suppose. Okay. Okay. That's a nice the metatextual only, way to deal with it. The little that we missed in the middle is the sister comes into play. Kind of seems like she wants to hook up with Jeff Bridges. Why Why wouldn't you want to? Yeah, of, of course. course. Why would you not? And Cutter kind of seems like she wants to hook up with her. At a certain point, the two of them go off together and we never see her again. That is like the only dry spot and like what the fuck part of this movie well because yeah i do feel like everything else is purposeful that is the one of the drop threads where you're like well what exactly like what did they find out what went down between them we because never really here's get the thing answer and the thing that would have like seal if you're trying to give so because of the way this movie ends and how bleak it is the one spot i would say if you if you at all which i know when you're when you set out on this this thing you're probably not on either side but if you do lean toward the side of hey in this story i think that like everything is the way cutter thinks it is the smallest little nod would have been like there's a newspaper article about her going missing and that's that Mm -hmm. and you leave it did cutter do this or did they figure out that right and it all goes back to this oil magnet dude Mm -hmm. again i don't i think you you know you don't want to switch things up. I don't know what the book does. I don't know where it leans. If it wants to leave you as like, hey, this is this way or it's that way. But because she's just gone, it's like, is she out scouring? Is she, you know, what does she do when the movie ends? Where is she? What is she yeah. doing? Is she is she next? I mean, how do you know? That's you know. that's the the only blind spot and the only weak part of it to me was that was that like they go off together because we forget. They decide they're going to leave him a ransom note, basically saying, like, we're going to do this. We know what you did. We know all this to try and see if we can get him to, like, they want to basically get him into blackmail. And then they want to admit they, what he did to then take it to the police. That's right. their only real reasoning for not, like, involving the police at any step of the way in this. And just he's powerful and we don't know how much he has control over, et cetera. Exactly. It's definitely one of those. It is a, a great paranoid thriller in as much as you're kept in the dark about so much that, like, you you really don't you're questioning the truth at every turn right so we build to a climax where again mo's been killed eventually he kind of bring, brings bridges around to like okay this is the guy good bad or indifferent this is what we're doing we got to go there so they arrive at the oil magnets place in the midst of a giant garden party like you know hundreds of people around that they've stolen the buddies invitations to Yes. He's already the said, hey, guy. hey, you're kind of making trouble. Like, what are you that, doing? I'm worried also, about Alex. That's the first time we really get a sense that it's real. This yes. is like something is amiss here. Cutter might be onto something because the guy at the marina is like, hey, you guys might want to back off of this. Or it is just simply that like 
hey man, we your your boy Cutter's like going off. He's kind of losing. His he's shit. kind of losing his shit. Like it's not so much. It could be this oil magnet dude doesn't like people talking shit about him, and your boy's losing his mind. Or yo, this oil magnet doesn't like people talking shit about him, and you've seen what he did to that one little girl. Like don't fuck with him. That sort of thing. Yeah. And that's what I love about the end, the movie, and the ending is it. It's all played up as. You never just, you never know. You don't really know one way or the other. Yeah. There's plenty of nods to look and think, oh, yeah, totally. And plenty of things to be like, well, no, he's probably just crazy. So, Bone goes to the inside, eventually comes into a conversation with the oil magnet. Meanwhile, Herd, who has been like kind of escorted off to the side, to the stables, grabs a horse and basically like... No, they're inside... They're inside looking around, and security's like, what the hell? Herd gets away and goes to the stables. Mm -hmm. They take Jeff Bridges and punch him in the stomach. And bring him to... Bring him to the guy to talk. And the guy's like, your buddy's got this crazy fantasy about me. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, but then the classic and like, and where my head goes is, and what if it was true? Mm -hmm. Like just that turn of like, yeah, and what if I did do all this? And you get that. Oh fuck! It is him. Yeah. He did do this shit. Yeah, and no one cares. No, and there's, there's nothing they could do about it at this point. Yeah. In the midst of this, Cutter literally comes crashing through the door, like full, gets flung full from gallop. the horse. Yeah, through the glass, presumably eviscerated to the point where he is like about to die right there on the spot. Right. He's got his gun in hand. Bridges embraces his hand. And the two of them together shoot shoot at camera, we'll say. Yeah. Cut to white. Yeah. Movie over. Yes. Okay. You forget, though, as he's laying there dying, he's telling him, it's him. Yeah. He it's did. him. He did it. Mm-hmm. And I love it because, again, however you want to see this go, hey, man, my buddy was crazy. He threw through that window and shot this motherfucker. Not, oh yeah, no, I grabbed, we both touched him and like we, we did it together. That was our last act as friends. No. Dude, my buddy, my Vietnam buddy's crazy. And he shot this guy. What the hell? Well, actually, we did some research and realized that this guy actually was the one that I saw. My buddy tracked him down with the help of the uh, woman that you wanted me to tell every brutal thing I saw about her sister, which I didn't see because I just saw some guy drive by. Mm-hmm. She helped us. We were going to blackmail this guy. I didn't do it because... I just float through life. And then eventually, you know, I, I kind of think that this dude had uh, this lady I just boned. I think he had her killed trying to get to me. So when my buddy came crying, flying, flying through the window, I didn't care that he shot him. He got what he deserved. Yeah. End of story. But you'd never know. And that's, again, it's the brilliant it's part about it. You're left to do your own. Incredibly ambiguous. Yes. Just like the Vietnam War and the narrative of the Vietnam War. It's very, very simple. Yes. Cutter is... Your, your normal average Joe, all American soldier, head, headed into Vietnam essentially, and then what it does to them. The oil magnet is the machine that sent him there. Is the machine is the U- U.S. government, if you will, the entire yeah, it's the mechanics of war, the military industrial complex. Who you never feel like you can fully try. It's the media, it's the government, it's kind of it's all everything. rolled into one. It's the narrative that's being controlled of what you're actually seeing from this. Let's do this. It's the world that Vietnam soldiers like. When I go back to the world, it's the world. Just Attention. say that. Bridges, Bone, 
is the dirty big dick draft dodger who's Jody and just wants to nail your wife. I'm just kidding. I don't even, no, I don't even go that route with it. To me, he is the American consciousness of that time. The person watching at home. The person who feels like, who starts to see the other side of this where it's like, maybe the narrative we were getting fed in the early days of this is not what was actually going on here. Starting to question your leaders a little bit more. Starting to question, what did we do here? Right. What was the purpose of all this? Meanwhile, you have Cutter, somebody who is now clinging to purpose to make sense of the mess that he went through there. Right. He needs a clear villain. He needs some sense of justice, of making sense of it, of making a right where there is a clear wrong. Right. And Bridges, again, I say the American poet because he he vacillates between like, I don't don't know what to believe. I don't know if I should go all in with this and this gung-ho attitude. I don't know if like what we're doing here is 100% right. And then I kind of came up with this in the last few hours when I was I was like, where does Mo fit into all of this? Mo's the Tet Offensive. I was going to say Mo is just the Vietnam public, the people caught up the collateral damage of all of this going on around them through no fault of their own. She's she's stuck in this circumstance with him. And through no, again, yeah, through no fault of her own, she gets wrapped up in it and dies because of it. So I looked at it as like she's an innocent in this equation that doesn't really have a say in what's going on in her own home, and yeah, and the fallout from that. But I was gonna be like the also the like the inciting incident because I think they say what Ted is like basically when they realize we're not gonna win this thing, either that or they say like when Jane Fonda landed in Hanoi, they're like yeah we can't win this thing, and. She could also also be kind of reflective of the American point of view because she, when they come to her and they're like, hey, we're going to blackmail this guy. We got it all worked out. We're investigating murder. She very level-headedly is like, are you fucking crazy? Like, why? why? No, yeah. don't do this. This is not like, this is not okay. Now, part of it's motivated because from her perspective, this is just a big upstanding guy in the community. Why would you think that this is the person that did it, et cetera? But, you know, so... Looking at it through that lens and kind of like, oh, there's there's a lot of metaphor and a lot of depth there if mm-hmm. you want to go into it. And I feel like you almost have to because I, I don't know how satisfying you maybe think that the, the mystery aspects of it are initially. But when you look at it as like, the whole thing is the, the fog of war, if you will, of like what you don't know, who can you trust, etc. If you're looking under that guy's... You think about how people were fed the Vietnam War. That's maybe what, yeah. five or six days at a time. You go a week without seeing real footage. Or maybe you watch it every night. doesn't matter. But only in so many... A couple of days later, this happens, that happens. And the way that the movie... Okay, well, now we're back here and this thing happened. Right. This underlying story that you've been listening to. Uh, you got this nice slice of life, what these people are doing. And bam, it's right back in your face again. And then it kind of dissipates. And then, all right, bam, we're back here again. What are we going to do? Yeah. So Cutter is essentially like a, a Ron Kovic type figure who's trying to whistle exactly what I was about thinking what of. was going on over there. Meanwhile, fighting against the machinery of like normal society and this oil magnet and everything that essentially represents like, no, this is this is the clear all American narrative of what we did there, our purpose, these were our goals. We you know, of course we didn't do anything wrong. Everything was completely by the book. There's that presentation, and then it's almost, yeah, Cutter is the one constantly giving you the actual reality of, you know. And you want to just scream at Jeff Bridges, especially when you get to the end of it. Like, dude, 
if you had just been on board with your boy from the beginning, none of this would have maybe happened. Maybe this would have got like definitely Mo probably does not end up dead in the midst of this, and you guys probably don't end up murdered or dead or in jail by the again i love that we we don't know what happens to bridges right after this we don't know if that guy's dead or not but uh yeah not a fun one bleak as hell pretty bleak great performances oh my god dude on top i mean just dynamite from from john hurt if you've never if you've never seen a proper john hurt picture i I can't recommend this one highly enough bridges is totally great and solid in it but he you know i've seen him much better in other things. I don't think this is a bad performance, but again, it is the John Hurd show, a hundred percent. Yeah, and like this, this can't really happen in real life, be, just because of the timing of everything. But and how if you if you never watched a movie, um, you don't know this. But stuff isn't made back to back to back, and like you know, it's done whatever. But in March, this movie comes out. And I just got complete Snake Plissken vibes, and that comes out literally like four months later. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, dude, did somewhere oh, in pre pre production did like did they see her doing this whole bit, and they decided, oh man, that looks good. Hey, Kurt, grow your hair out or something supposedly, like that. Supposedly, Kurt's the one who added the eye patch. So for all we know, yeah, maybe Kurt happens to catch this movie, and he's like, hey, I like that look. Well, no, I'm saying they come out. They literally come out months behind. So I mean essentially well and again i don't remember how how quickly things were done back then i don't know if it was already in the can i'm I, saying I if it's just it happens to be synergy man it might be dude yeah okay i was gonna say on that note we didn't really talk about it at all we only get one brief shot of it the effects on like just yeah i kind of forgot to mention because it's just so convincing but his arm and his leg. Fuck yeah, dude. So incredibly well done yeah. from an effects perspective where initially I was like, are they doing these seriously like it's off at the shoulder and he's just got his arm tucked behind him? But no, it when is he like gets up and it's hit. below the elbow. Yeah. And then the le- the reveal of the leg as well with his prosthetic leg and every- I was just like, dude, this is like the kind of thing that you would think at the time would have been nominated for like a, a special recognition Oscar of some sort. Yeah. Cause I was just like this, I'm totally buying the, you never question it the whole time. And the walk he comes up with. Oh man. Just great stuff. Man. The scene where so he good. comes home and, and like fucking bulldozes the, the Japanese Toyota car, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then comes back out and tells the cop, like, I know a lot of thing about duty this. And like, he shows him like, I'm, yeah. he's a veteran. And the cop's like, fuck you like you guys are terrible for yelling at this guy like <laughs> right. what's wrong with you and he's like thank you officer there are there are some satisfying moments of like oh, yeah. dark comedy and so it's not a totally bleak affair but it's definitely this is not one you know you're not going to throw this on on a friday night and have a good time by the no. by the end of it you're going to be lost and kind of confused and yeah questioning lots and lots of things about your choices so that is cutters away from 1981 i I'm at a solid like 8.5 or 9 on this one. I thought it was great. I'm going to give it a solid 9. And literally the only the only marks I can I take can take from it is the fact that I just I don't like when things aren't wrapped up. Yeah, I I honestly If you're going to leave the whole thing unwrapped back to this one anytime soon. Well, no, it no. is If you're going to leave the whole thing unwrapped where I don't know what happens, that's fine. But give me some I I have a finality on Mo. I have a finality to be assumed on Cutter, Bone, and the Oil Magnet. I don't know anything about what happens to the sister who's looking for justice. Obviously, she would get her justice if we believe he's dead. Yeah. 
but what is she doing? And I don't remember any <laughs> cut. No, I don't remember any cutaway lines. I don't even think like, oh, she left town. She's gone. She's just gone. To the point where some people, the some of the negative reviews of this movie have issues with like, they felt like it just kind of wanders around and then eventually wraps up and that there wasn't really a, and again, I feel like everything is very purposeful except for that. I agree, which is kind of the lingering thread, but I also love it as an element of just like, who knows, man? And like, it just fades the background. We're removed from so much because, other information about what's going on with him. The because whole movie. this is perfect. If you cut two scenes with her out, she could just be a fucking figment of his imagination. Yeah. The sister who comes in to try and do it. And if you just slightly cut that movie where the cop doesn't make him talk to her and her and Jeff Bridges never interact with that boat scene where he's sailing, like I guess was a thing you wooed ladies with back in the days, yeah. how great you could sail. She could totally just be somebody made up to him. That, that just would f- also completely ruin this movie. I know. If they went be. anywhere near that I know. I'm just stuff. saying, but like because there's no finality to her character when she's just gone, that's my only issue with not giving it any bigger than a nine. Write a sequel. I could do that. Okay. <laughs> Get on it. All right. How do you that feel about time travel? Oh. <laughs> that was Cutter's Way from 1981. Uh, we're going to lighten things up a bit. Yes. With a, a lovely little French Just a little action French, French comedy. Japanese comedy, yeah. man. Um, yeah. And you're going to hear mostly French in this trailer, but I'm pretty sure there's a du- an American dub narrator. So Probably. this should still be... Somewhat interesting for yeah. people. Here we go. This is the trailer for Wasabi from 2001. Meet Hubert Fiorentini, one of France's hardest working cops. He's polite. He's a good sport. And he always gets his man. Monsieur Fiorentini Hubert? Oui, c'est moi. Connaissez-vous une femme de nom de Miko Kobayashi? Madame Kobayashi est décédée hier à Tokyo. But when a message from a stranger sends him in search of the love he lost. C'est quoi le programme? Un bateau à couler, une centrale à déboulonner. Je suis venu pour affaire personnellement. He never expected. Votre nom est inscrit dans la case réservé au père. What he found. Jeanne me quitte en me laissant un vague mot d'excuse et 19 ans plus tard, elle se fait assassiner mais laisse une fille à 200 millions de dollars. 200 millions de dollars J'aimerais récupérer mon argent. On passe en air tout rouge niveau 1. Yes J'ai pris que des trucs que t'aimes. Now, he's got two days to solve a mystery. Je commence à y voir un peu plus clair. Stop the Japanese mob. And get home in time for dinner. Attention, c'est super fort, From Luc Besson, the creator of La Femme Nikita, and The Professional, comes the international action comedy hit. La Grenade. Quoi la Grenade? Je l'ai dégoupillé. That's too hot to handle. Jean Renault, Ryoko Hirosue, Carol Bouquet and Michelle Muller. Wasabi. All right. Wasabi, 2001. For I, those I, who like their action raw. Yeah. What was the other tagline? I don't Didn't know. Did we find another good one? Oh, I don't I know. I thought there was two, like one on the front and one on the back. 
Uh, yeah, was- Wasabi from 2001. I will be very interested if anybody actually managed to watch this one. I don't think before anybody we talked did. No, about I don't it. think so. Uh, if you did, I I don't know whether we should we apologize you. to you or not, but we do thank you for, <laughs> for checking it out. I personally, I had fun watching this. Good. I had fun going back to it. Now, this is this an excessive force? No, no, it's no. not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that it is. But it, it is was, it a Gavin movie? It's a hundred percent a Gavin movie. And why? I, and I why is it? No. What was it? Was it a Gavin movie? Because this is a movie that I would have never seen if you hadn't purchased it. First of all, I would have had... my two some of my some of my favorite things. Okay. First off, you got Jean Reno, Leon, the professional. Okay. Yeah. Then you got Japan, Tokyo. Yeah. What What else do you need? <laughs> Two of my favorite. Two things. of my favorite things. Um, yeah, These I mean, are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> we can get into it. I'm not gonna. Be, I'm not gonna be harsh on this. No, one, but there's definitely some things where I think the movie it could have it could have upped the ante a little bit. It could have been. It could have been a little something more. It could have been a little more substantial. Right. For what it is, for kind of a light, very lighthearted French action farce, I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. Good. And I realized I had definitely seen this movie. But did not retain very much of it. First question to you. Did you watch the dub or did you watch it with subtitles? I've only ever watched the dub. Okay. Never watched subtitles. I intentionally, I watched in the original French and Japanese in parts with subtitles. Mm-hmm. But very shortly into the movie, I remembered something. It just You know, every once in a while you get those things that are just buried in the back of your brain. And you're like, how is that still there? Mm-hmm. We open with Mr. Hubert, Inspector Hubert, Jean Renault, mm-hmm. in a nightclub. Okay, we got some voiceover narration from him telling you his age, his weight, etc. Okay, and then um, punching what we initially assumed to be a woman, like just flat out. And for the record, nobody gets simply punched in this movie. They get punched across rooms. Yes, across that's the great best. distances. Yes. Okay. So that happens, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember. I was like, oh, but it's it's not a woman. It's not a woman. It's trannies. This did, Has this aged well? Is this okay? I don't know. I don't know. What are the rules? I don't know. <laughs> Me neither. Um, it's definitely played for laughs here. But so he's in a, in a fight in a nightclub. Things escalate. Or we fight. Sorry, we flash back to this when his inspector, when his chief is telling him, like, like chewing him out, like you're done. Him. Yeah, the typical, you know, you wrecked half a city block. The, yeah. the the French equivalent of that. Yeah, the uh, yeah. But he's like, "Do you recall a young man that you passed?" And he's like, "No." And we cut to the club again, and what we hear the guy say again. I had it subtitled, but all of a sudden I remembered. I was like. Oh, the dub, man. My dad's the chief of police. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I immediately was like, do I want to switch back to the dub for that? But I, I was like, that line somehow is the main thing that stuck with me for yes. this movie. I remember that, and I remember him and Momo eating wasabi. And him at the, not, like, the hour and 15 or 20 minute and, mark. And not being a that problem is, at all for him. That is it, yes. literally. So the rest of this was pretty much like a first time watch for me. But, uh, yeah. So... He's he's the most badass guy on the force, but his methods are a little extreme. Comically extreme, though. He's not like this, you know. It's not a hot fuzz situation where he's just too good that they like, all right, man, we're getting rid of you. It's like, bro, you are punching people into like 
the next year. Yes. Can you stop? <laughs> can like, you chill out? Can't you just chill, dude? Man. What's wrong with you? You're too badass. Yeah. And then you find out what's wrong with him. He lost his one and true love, No, He just yeah. doesn't know what to do with himself. He's lonely. And if we know anything about the French, they mean business when it comes to love. <laughs> they sure do. You know? Um, yes. His, his When he was stationed in Tokyo many years ago, yes. running ops of some sort, which we never fully understand, but whatever. I don't know how French police work. I don't know what their deal is. So, uh, we get the setup of the lost love. And his, excuse me, his chief encouraged him. He's like, hey, take some time off. You know, go see that woman you were talking about who gives him a call and he kind of shuns away. This woman who he's clearly, he's, they've probably been on a couple of dates before. Who knows? Right. But he's rethinking things. Like, Maybe I should give this another shot. Invites her over. And I had forgotten about this whole aspect. I was Me like, too. Oh, I was like, oh, is this going to be the main thread of the movie where it's like he's got to go on this whole journey to like come to peace with his former love so that he can get Move with on. this yeah. sexy French lady who he clearly wants to, who he's like, if I make her dinner, then I can ask to sleep with the rice. It's very weird. He's like, so you want to hook up now? And she's kind of like, hey, like, you know, I've called you multiple times, like all of a sudden out of the blue or whatever. She's like, you're clearly not over your, your former love, call me when you are. And I was like, all right, that's the hook to this movie, right? Right. Not at all. Nope. Completely dropped. <laughs> never referenced again. <laughs> it's the perfect button, which is just like, and now John Renault gets to go home and have sex. And they don't do it, but Nothing. whatever. Okay. So She's like the sister from Cutter's Way. Dropped, done, nothing. It's, it's over. Yes. Okay. And the second that he decides, okay, I've got to let her go. I've got to let the former love of my life go. i got to come to terms with it. Put it to bed. I'm going to put her picture away. Phone call from Tokyo. She's just been murdered. You're the sole beneficiary of her estate. Can you come check it out? By the way, we're going to need you here like tomorrow because, you know, they got to cremate her. I thought you might want to see her beforehand. Is yeah. all that cool? All right, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> all right, great. Come on. Yeah. So cut to Japan. By the way, I'm sorry. We don't get nearly enough tall French guy in Japan jokes. We just don't. No. Jean Renault is a giant compared to all Everyone. of these people. The entire population. I'm like, dude, so many easy laughs. They don't really do it. No. They don't really go for it at all. Whatever. I just want to be on that crew of like setting up wide shots of him walking through the busy well, districts of Japan. Let's let's talk about the visuals a little bit. Because I'm not very familiar with this era of of French movies. And this is this is definitely an international production, obviously. Most of it's shot in Tokyo, but the style of the... It's super widescreen. Yes. But with extreme close-ups. Yes. Like, really extreme close-ups. Not a style that I'm, like, used to seeing that often. So, just from a visual perspective, like, I think it's visually engaging, but it doesn't have... It doesn't have as much style as I would like, necessarily. It, the movie's got a vibe to it, but... For being something said in Tokyo, I don't feel like we get to see that much of Tokyo. You know what I mean? Mm -mm. I don't feel like we really get a flavor for the place. Like, we have some kind of set-piece sequences that hint at, like, this is some of the iconography of Tokyo. But I never felt like we we really made use of the location in the way that I kind of hoped they were going to. But anyways, he arrives in Tokyo. Um, he doesn't want to go through the battle detector he gets into it with this guy. He ends up punching him, shockingly. Yeah. Uh, 
I keep wanting to call him Wasabi because the movie's called Wasabi really for no reason at all other than a five-minute bit that happens an hour and 20 minutes into the movie. Well, do you know what it... And it's referenced in the trailer. Do you know What's what that? the full name in French was? What's that? Uh, well, I'm going to butcher the French. But uh, Wasabi la petite motard quimontaine la nuise, which is Wasabi the little mustard that gets right up your nose. Okay. Still not... I, I don't get the parallel. I will also say this definitely has the vibe of like is this like the fourth or fifth Wasabi movie? Yes. Like you feel like he's has a bear li- been in other adventures that we weren't right. privy to. And also I would like to see them. Yes. Uh, I would totally be down for that. Remember the time he oh. blew up the city? Like, let's go watch that movie. Excuse me. Before he goes to Tokyo, I forget that he has to foil the, the tranny bank robbery, yes. robber, robbery ring. And I don't know if tranny is offensive in this case. They call them trannies in the movie, to be clear. Um, but... I don't know if this is kosher or whatever, but again, he just rolls into the bank after he beats the information out of one of the guys they apprehended who tells them, yeah, they're robbing the bank right now, by the way. Yes, that's so, one of my favorite bits. Yeah. He bails out to go do, go do that, foils them with little to no effort. Um, but yeah, that happens that, before he goes to Tokyo. It's Yeah. Just thought we needed to mention. I don't. I don't. Oh, there's also the bit of you need to go apologize to the kid that you punched out at the nightclub, the son of the chief of oh, police. Yeah. And of course, through no fault of his own, he like slams the door or something. The yeah. dude's tray goes on top of him, and then later it's like you assaulted him again. Yes, right. <laughs> that was one of the most French sight gags I've ever seen, though, because like the way his tray table goes down on him, and then. The background, like plants that are stacked up, mm-hmm. fall, but like not in a comical way, in a in a very staged, stately way. Like I, would, I it was very calculated. It yes. was very odd. Anyways, so he gets to Tokyo. He reconnects with his buddy Momo. Momo, who he's got a, a French dude who still happens to be in Tokyo. I don't really know what he does there, but he's in, in, involved in some level in the Japanese police department. Can't tell, I'll, I'll just take a minute the real quick. Tokyo Police Department. I just want to take a second and just to sell you on something. You know, sometimes you're in a foreign country, you don't know where you're, you got to rely on somebody from your past or whatever. Uh, so, Chris Hemsworth has to do that in extraction. Guess okay. who the guess who the guy is that he has to rely on? John Renault. David Harbour. Oh, okay. He's in, there, he's in there for like a split second as the buddy that comes in to help him out. I can take it. Not going to sell you on it, I know. I just want to throw that out I'll there. get to it. I've heard that before. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. I don't give a scoot. No, I'm still going to ride or die for... Sleepless. Yep. I know. I know. Okay. (laughs) So, he hooks up with his buddy Momo. You know, get me some gear. Here's what we're here for. Eventually, he gets to the estate. He finds out she left everything to you. Um, And by the way, you also probably have a daughter. (laughs) And by the way, she's also in the next room. Yeah. So and like and like you gotta hang out for like two days because yeah once she turns twenty you can fuck off but until then you're yeah, like she her guardian doesn't get control of any of, yeah she has right. a trust that comes into effect when she turns twenty I guess that's the legal age like that's the age in Japan yeah know. twenty for any kind of estate matters yes gotcha. so basically like he's I gotta, know I have no he's got to hang with her for two days and she does not know that it's her dad. And this is really just kind of arbitrarily thrown in there, I guess, 
to give some sort of comedic stake, something we can kind of continue to go back to, and then of course to get us eventually to the point where we know that every all will be revealed and she will be mad at him for right. a bit, and then they'll work it out because they're father and daughter. Uh, yeah. So, sh- what is her name? I'm so Yumi? sorry. Yuki? Yumi. Yes. Uh, and she's, t- she's a little firecracker, for sure. Yeah, Yumi. Uh, yeah. And so we're we're like, okay, it's going to be your typical, like, oh, you know, my dad estranged has, father-daughter he scenario. He has to learn how to love and, like, get over his her being dead and, like, yes, learning and to love again. From and all his that. perspective, the wife, or excuse me, not the wife, the former love of his life just dropped him cold and left one day. Right. As far as he knows. So he's heartbroken and he's wondering now, it's like, well, she had a child. Why would she not have told me? And then he's basically on the verge of revealing this to the daughter when the daughter informs her this did not play well for me. No, that no, the this mom the, um, said that the that her father, father. had raped her, and she it's, the pro. Yeah, she's a child because yes, it's that weird like. Well, maybe we're let's misdirect. Like, is he putting it together? That he could be the father, or is he just going to be like a guardian? And is that okay? Or. Oh no! She was just told that to like keep her. Well, he's safe. told by the dude who's running the estate. Where he's like, "Dude, trust me. I've met her. She's your fucking daughter." Yeah, <laughs> like trust me on this one, bro. So I, if you believe anything, I'm telling you, believe this. Okay. Yeah, we have that from the get go. So it's basically like through the guise of, "I'm your mom's friend. We're gonna get to know each other. I'm gonna hang with you for the next couple of days." Shortly after this, they go to the bank right to see what kind of funds have been left. There's like a couple mil in here. So he's immediately like, what the hell? I was just going to get some money so we could go shopping. Um, this is more than I was expecting. Uh, this is the kind of money people come looking for. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's something else at play here. Now, they go shopping shortly after this. And this is the first, like, they're clearly Yakuza. I mean, you know in the second you're, you're like, they're dressed in all black suits. like Bald heads. Got it. Tattoos. So... Did, nice did, I, hey, did I ever show you my ticket to the sumo thing I went to? I don't think so. The back of it says, no admission for gangsters. Mm-hmm. As in, like, if they think you're in the Yakuza, you cannot come into this arena yeah. and watch this sumo match. Yeah, you got to go watch it from the private box. Exactly. There's actually where you're betting on it, I'm yeah. sure. Or, yeah. like, you know, the den across the street to watch. Right. Yeah, I don't. I, I had that. Matter of fact, I gotta, I'll send you a picture tomorrow. One of the things I got sent back from when I went there was a Toyota Town like printout thing. The train conductor dude is fucking John Renault. As <laughs> yeah. in, like he took pictures while he was there in mm-hmm. the early two thousands, and then they decided to use it ten years later because he looks almost like he does in this yeah. movie in this little paper cutout. He's probably still making bank from that, dude. He probably is, dude. He's a right. big star, like internationally, and that's one thing well, that's that I the, love about him. That's the thing that. Rem- this reminds you of is like he's totally carrying this movie yeah. on pure charm factor alone like i'm i am engaged in watching it because john rose told presence and like yeah here he had his his moment for sure but yeah you forget he's one of the biggest like international stars of the last couple decades now mm-hmm. i know that's like dimmed a little bit he's probably moved into more fatherly roles and like st- grandpas etc mm-hmm. but like for a time there i mean he i feel like he owned a certain niche of french cinema from like kind of the mid 80s all the way through i mean the from 2000s. the big blue all the way i would say yeah. like the remake of just visiting 
Mm-hmm. How do you remake your own movie in less than 10 years? I mean, a lot of people have done it, but... But I mean, think about it, though. How many people have remade something that they're the starring role in and just done it in like an American version, a more yeah, international yeah, version? Yeah, no, usually the, the director stays the same, but you usually remake. Yeah, he's starring sure. in the same remake... He does Le Visiteurs in nineteen ninety three and does Just Visiting in nine in two thousand one. Same year this comes out. And notably this is directed by the guy who I guess did a lot of the taxi franchise. Which we France, know it which, which is the taxi huge, movie. which was huge and they tried to do here With as the Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon, Fallon and Queen Latifah vehicle. Yep. And as you will recall, there is no Taxi 2 in America yep. or Taxi 3, but they're up to like five or six in and France. They're huge action comedies yeah. there. Never seen a single one of them. And honestly, after Wasabi, I don't know I don't know if the French action genre is quite there for me. Case in point, they go shopping, the Yakuza show up, and we have we don't have a full-on like action scene. And we should also mention, this is a solid, we had the bank robbery, we had the little nightclub punch-out session. It's almost another hour. And it's been it? like a full hour before we get to this, which is him comically fighting off all of these Yakuza members in the background unbeknownst to the daughter. Yes, because he can't let her know like what the right. deal is. doesn't want to let her know that she's in danger. Right. So that's a great bit. They eventually get to the hotel where Momo has their cases of like all these fancy toys, etc., which they also have to hide from her. And then they get into, and I, I know culturally things are different and everything, but they get into a little bit of the weirdness of like, oh, she's really hot. And like, she comes out and she's trying on different outfits. And it's like, it is her, her that's your daughter, okay. but she doesn't know that it's, and you're like, are they going to, are you going to pull some weird shit on me? Where like now she's suddenly are you attracted gonna to you going to fucking pull an old boy on me, dude? Don't, yeah. <laughs> don't do that shit, please. Yeah. Obviously that's not the same thing. I'm just, that's not yeah. quite. Yeah, obviously. But they get into a little bit of that and I was like, okay, thank God we didn't go there, etc. So, uh, we pretty much are just hanging out until we go to the arcade. And we get the Dance Dance Revolution. Yes, where, full on, this movie, 2001, 100%, there is a full on five to seven minute DDR sequence in this movie. Mind you, okay, in 2001, that was the fifth version or cycle yes, of DDR. DDR had been in Japan since we left. So this isn't anything new to like but the international obvious. Yeah. It had just hit big over here. Exactly. I remember so, it just showing up in arcades over here. All the kids are dancing. We get a montage of them. Of course, they want Jean Reno to do it. Because he's eight feet taller yeah. than all of them. He yeah. fails out pretty quickly. <laughs> and the easiest of yeah. the easiest one, yeah. Um, then they get Momo to do it. In the midst of this... He's noticing, like, there's some suspicious-looking dudes around. I see a lot of guys in all black kind of closing in on our position. They move over to a second game, okay, which is just kind of like a quick-draw game. And this, uh, you want to talk about unlocking something. Do you remember the arcade at Emerald Isle in North Carolina? Put it back in the holster. Where we used to go. Put it back (laughs) in the holster. Yes. We used to go get ice cream, et cetera. They had, do you remember what that cabinet was called? I do not but I, I forget, but it was essentially a quick draw game with full motion video yes. as the people you were facing off against. And they all pretty much look like rejects from the Quick and the Dead. Right. But at the, the Sam Raimi Quick and the Dead, not the original. But it was, yeah, full motion video and time draws and stuff. And it was, in our heads, it was one of the coolest games I've ever seen. It has to be just called something simple like Quick Draw. But it made me think of that. They're doing this shooting game, or excuse me. 
the kid who kind of seems to have a thing for the daughter is part of her friend group or whatever who challenged uh, Hubert to the shooting game. He's doing his round. While that is happening, <laughs> Hubert whips out his... We, did we mention that he has a giant, giant. fucking hand cannon of yes. a revolver? Like a Travis Bickle taxi driver-esque revolver? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just... He takes all of these guys out very quickly, empties the cylinder, and they all... It's almost like a... Uh, it's almost like a 70s Samurai movie. Right. Where you have, the, you have the slice, and then it takes a little bit for the blood and everything right. to kind of fall into effect. But basically, he takes all these dudes out, and they almost fall in perfect choreography into different places across the arcade. And this is now the reveal of, holy shit, you're not who you said you were. Why'd you just kill all those guys? What's going on? You were lying to me. And I gotta say, this is where the movie does does ultimately actually totally work. Because Ryoko Hirosu, who plays Yumi, I probably just butchered her name, she learned all of her French phonetically. phonetically. Mm-hmm. Insane to me. Because this, when she needs to hit the emotion in this scene in particular... Mm-hmm. Of you lied to me. Who was my actual mother? What's going on here? All the betrayal of it and everything. She goes there in a way that like this movie doesn't need her to. It doesn't even necessarily deserve her like giving it turning 100%. off all the all the other stuff but, for this. Yeah, but she totally nails it, and it's the same thing. Spoiler alert! But t- towards the end of the movie, when they have to say goodbye to each other. Like she she brings home the emotional core of it in the same way that Renault does with his kind of just stoic, reserved you know vibe. Mm-hmm. Which totally plays. I mean, he did it perfectly and professional as well. This is definitely a lighter version of that, but um, I thought she really brought it, particularly in this scene. So they, excuse me, fast draw, showdown, not quick draw, fast draw, showdown. Let's take a look at this. If anybody knows where we can get a fast draw showdown, click uh, on the picture. Cabinet, I would, I would love to see it. The new Vetti version, Verdi version. I don't know. Verdi version, like vertical, I think is what they're oh, saying. Oh, yeah, probably. Wow, man. I there, There's got to be one around. I feel like there's a site where you can search and be like, where can I go play this at? There's oh, gotta yeah. There's got to be a functioning one around here. I would love to check that out. Um, Okay. So when do they, at some point in here, they get called to the golf course, is that correct? Right. Have When do they nab her? Are they nab her at the golf course? Well, they nab her or they the, already have her. They already have her. They take her to. They're going to meet at the golf course. Yes, because they, they nab her at the arcade, right? I believe in the aftermath of all of I that. I think so. I believe so. Um, that's the other huge thing that this movie is missing. Where's our Tokyo car chase? Yeah, I was wait. I was like, this is the taxi guy, right? Mm-hmm. No, no vehicle chase. Right. Re- kind of a letdown. Got to be honest. Okay. But he goes out to this driving range. Uh, we already know that he likes to play golf. Uh, he kind of talks shit about the Yakuza guys. Oh, I wanted to look up this guy, and I never, I did not actually do it. The villain. Excuse me. Yoshi Oida. Okay. Now that's going to sound incredibly racist of me did he not look like shredder's right hand yes but it's not the same actor, no it correct? Right. it is not 
Yoshi Oida I have actually seen though in Scorsese's Silence, which he is I was gonna incredible say. in. Um, but yeah, he. Lo- I'm like, is that is that your dad? Maybe that was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But uh, so we get introduced to him. He's the local Yakuza boss, and basically what we piece together is um, his former lost love. Like she didn't bail on him. She had to had to break all ties and had to commit herself to her ultimate goal, which was bringing down the Yakuza, and she had to go about it as like the surreptitious way. So the daughter never knew what she was up to. She didn't live with the daughter for a long stretch. She was basically leading this complete double life. That's why she has all the money. That's why the Yakuza want the money now that is in the account. Okay? That's pretty That's pretty much it. Shows up at the driving range. They have a nice little action set piece or whatever. They abscond with her. And we know that they have to go to the bank the following morning when she is now going to be 20. And they're going to force her to sign over the money to them. Right. Okay. So we, Hubert knows, okay, I just got to make it to the bank, basically, at this particular time. In between, he and Momo just sit down, kind of chat over what's been going on in the booth. Again, I'm like, dude, we're like 15 minutes from wrapping up, right? But they they take their time to go get a bite to eat. And it's pretty much just Jean Reno just fingering wasabi. For like five minutes. And him looking like, what And the Momo fuck? having the reaction of just like, how is this guy doing? Like, of course, he needs water immediately. Yeah. Hubert wants more wasabi. And again, I'm like, does this scene exist so they could call the movie wasabi? Did they have the scene in there? And they were like, hey, wasabi. Is it in the script? I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Jean Reno just loves wasabi. Okay. So, guess what? They show up at the bank. Um... He punches the shit out of everybody. He punches the shit out of everybody and does some cool, like, maneuvering. Uh, Keeps her out of harm's way. Everybody gets, the justice is righted, everything's done. And and they go go to the airport. (laughs) That's it, right? She she forgives him for the betrayal. She understands now. She's also at peace with her mom as well. She Um, also got them millions. Yes, he's at peace. They have a ton of money. Uh, Momo's going to stay in Tokyo keep an eye on her and she's gonna come visit keep an eye on her yeah get out of here she's gonna come visit in a month very soon in a month yeah so again we get him on the plane and i'm like all right time for jean renaud to go home and get it on that is the that's the most french fucking ending ever is and yeah. then they had sex <laughs> okay so that i'm totally geared up for it i was like dude they set it up like that was his goal right i gotta go make peace with this chapter of my life so I can get on with living my new one. But no, it ends on a joke of the silver cases from earlier with the crazy like bazookas and automatic weapons. And it's like, oh no, Momo, like he left them with me. Oh shit. And he sees like the, Custom, the crew of the plane yeah. are coming up to him like, hey, what about these cases? Uh-oh, cut to credits. And I was just like, all right. That's, that leave is them, the moment that makes me like... laugh. That more than anything makes me want to be like, this is a series. He's been in That's other what things. I'm saying. I'm like, he's like an Inspector Clouseau. He's been in other told movies. Me this, yes, there was multiple Hubert movies. They're all like an hour and a half, and they're just kind of these random one-off adventures. I'd be down with it. Me but too. It, it, this is just a standalone movie. It feels kind of weird. And again, it's fun because I I love Jean Reno. I think he's incredibly watchable in anything. He's just he's just a charm factor. He's just one of those dudes that we grew up with and we've always liked. Oh, um, it's because he's from so, Morocco. Yeah, 
So on that level, I enjoyed this one. But at the same time, I was like, I wanted a little more action and I wanted a little more comedy. And I didn't feel like I got equal measure of either. I felt like oh, I good. was a little lacking well, on Noah, both fronts. But I, go ahead. I got something for you for okay. next week. Well, an equal o- measure over- of comedy. Oh, okay. And action. Overall, I'm a, I'm a, I'm at a gracious seven because I had fun watching this and it was a, a fun rewatch for me because again I remember two scenes from it. So I give it a seven point five just because of my love because you got genre. Be a little I mean, bit higher than me because you do like it a little bit. More I, do, I do. Yeah, clearly. it's a Gavin movie. Come on, man. It's a hundred percent a Gavin movie and a totally watchable one at that. Mm-hmm. This is it. And again, it's a little hard to find, but. Can't go wrong with and again, see, if, you, if you like your action raw, this is yeah, this is the film for you. Yeah, the action isn't the juice for him, but it's still pretty no. good. Still it's pretty more raw, like a, a light cup of English tea or something. I don't remember. Or like a, a nice bottle of wine, maybe something French. Then is a weird thing you did mention real quick before we go to the, the what's next week. You really only think about like certain periods of other cultures' films. That you don't yeah. modern day, you can't really contextualize well, it. Well, that's I've seen a handful of modern French cinema, and especially like French horror movies from the last couple of decades are great. There's some great French dramas that I've enjoyed, but this this era, era in particular, yeah. this early two thousands action, like the French movies from this era that I'm familiar with, are fucking Gaspar Noé, like fucking Irreversible and stuff like that. Complete like. You know, not mainstream hits in the theater. Like, I'm sure. And again, I don't know that this movie was like incredibly successful, but I do know that this is a whole sub genre of French action comedies from the early 2000s with international stars. Mm -hmm. And I just, yeah, I I don't know that it's a sub genre I like want to see more of. But if there's like a gem or the kind of crown jewel of this sub genre and you're aware of it, let us know. Thearchivy at gmail.com. And I will definitely throw it on my on my retro list to go back and check out. Uh, but for now, do we want to do we want to reveal to each other what we're doing ne- next time? Sure. Okay. What you got? I'm gonna take you back just one year from my previous pick. Okay. We're staying in the '80s. All right. But we're going to London Town. All right. <laughs> I think it's London. I'm pretty sure. We, and we missed the window on it. I'm terribly what? sorry. Easter has come and gone. But we're doing The Long Good Friday. Oh, okay. Have you ever seen The Long Good Friday? What's it about? It's about one of the best gangsters in the history of movies having a very bad day. That's all I'm going to say about it. Who's in it? And the, the gangster in, questions, in question excuse me, is played by none other Mr. Bob fucking Hoskins. I think I have seen this a long if you've seen it, fucking time ago. Back, but this is... But yeah, deep back in there. This is... I'm, I'm not trying to color your rewatch, if it is in fact a rewatch. I personally am of the opinion this is my best pick since To Live and Die in L.A. And this is what I would consider an ultimate Gavin movie. So that one, Gavin one removed? I mean... You literally had to live and die in L.A. and this one, and now you're telling me I this was going to give you this one right after to live and die in L.A. But, but you didn't want you, but you wanted me, well, because then you don't. But I wanted That to must break. mean you don't have really good ones after this because you're, you're, you're blowing your load too quick. What am I going to do? I've got, well, notably, this is a teaser for way in advance, okay? 
the other star here is oh, 80s era Helen Mirren. Okay, <laughs> so... Uh, Hang on, I gotta change my shorts. I'll leave that as a clue for what will be my next one after that. And that is when we're truly going to alienate anyone who is actually sticking with these. I have a movie that is like, nobody's nobody's gonna want to stick with us after Dude, this I And you know what? I gave, I gave up my one that is such a no one. It's a fucking uh, a Chinese indie movie from the 2000s that I don't think anybody saw but me because I took it in a film course. I don't think you've seen it. And I was going to bring it here and let you watch it. And I remember enough of it I could talk about it. But I was like, nope, I need to watch that and actually take notes again because it is really fucking good. Okay. So that's not your pick. It isn't now. I'm teasing this since you're teasing something else. So okay. I'm watching The Long Good Friday. The Long Good Friday. Yes. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to, excuse me. You can rent it on Prime. I have a DVD copy. I haven't rewatched it again I'll yet. It on I Prime. didn't get to it. I've been busy with The Last Dance. Just rent it on Prime. Okay. You're going to tell me when you're going to rent the Capone movie? Yes. Okay, good we'll deal. Do, we will go ahead and say that next time we get together, we'll do a mini-review of that at the top. Noah, I think we can talk about nothing but gangsters, because you said you were looking oh, for be... a little bit of action and a little bit more comedy. I wanted to pull this out of the hat. I don't know when the last time you saw it was, but this week I want you to watch The Big Hit. Okay. <laughs> you gave me a present. I, I like this. I know. I, I don't... No, I was thinking about this a couple days ago. No bullshit. Uh, Did I I give it to you on Blu-ray? Or did you get it in that big box from Christmas? Because I felt like you had a copy. Maybe it is in the box you got me from Christmas. What I have on Blu-ray is a a big hit adjacent film. The Replacement Killers. I I watched that about six weeks ago. I have that on Blu-ray. Okay. Um, And then the perfect in-between of those two, The Corrupter. Yes. I also haven't seen it in forever. Yeah, dude. So uh, I might maybe be, the corrupter was in that. Box. I might be I doing remember. a little the big hit followed by replacement killers, and then I'm I'm gonna mash them together and watch the I, dude. I almost completely forgot about that. That's and that's not a woo movie, correct? That mm-hmm. is just Chow Yun Fat and Marky Mark and Marky Mark. Yeah, I remember the trailer for it because it was on the front of maybe the Rush Hour. It's on VHS. The, it's, no, it's on the. It's on the. It's in front of Never Been Kissed on VHS. That's why you remember it come it came on all the time. Okay. Dude. <laughs> what? I completely forgot this. I don't know if you wanna if you wanna leave this in or not. Friday night, say to mom and dad's. What am I gonna watch? I gotta watch it on VHS. I'm not gonna lay, lay it on up front. I put on the greatest Nick Cage movie ever made. Watch your mouth here. Con Air. It's not the greatest. I'm just kidding. It's one of the greats. Yes. It's, it's on the Mount Rushmore, for sure. It's the greatest Ving Rhames and a third tier support. The best the best Cusack oh my God. In, a, in a law enforcement role ever. It's one of the best Cusack performances. Oh, God, yes. It kind of almost steals the show. Yeah. Because okay. I don't own that on anything else. Oh my god, we have to end this episode. Okay. I'm sorry. I got a girlfriend text me, can you bring me water, please? I'm like, we got I gotta go. I gotta go. Okay. Okay. Alright, so next time I'm watching The Long Good Friday, you're gonna watch The Big we, Hit. Yes, we're doing The Long Good Friday from 1980 and The Big Hit from 1998. I was right at the cusp of the 99s, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. The Corruptor is 99. Right. I'm like, dude, that is a forgotten one. I need to go back and watch it because in my head, then it has it's a forgotten be. classic. It had That has to be Never Been Kissed It's On, dude, because that would have come out in 98 on home video, 
and they would have been having stuff for like what's coming Dude. soon. Dude. Directed by James Foley. Oh. At close range and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, James Foley. Yeah, the corruptor's gotta be worth going back to, dude. Definitely. Guess where it's on? Fucking stars. stars. <laughs> yeah. All so, right. Well, this, this show brought to you by stars. stars. Uh, okay. The For big your, hit. Please subscription. Do we know if the big hit is readily available anywhere. I did not, dude. I found that we'll in. Do a quick search right here just to a, let you guys know. In a dive of mom and dad's house, I found it. I was like, let me put this back in the stash. Big hit is available on Amazon Prime for rental. It's three dollar in HD. In my personal opinion, totally worth it. Just this buy one's that gonna shit. It's going to be a fun one to go back through. I may even want... be able to talk. Veronica. I'm not going to give this to you ever now, but this was your other one, depending on what you had me get. Um, oh, like if I gave you a shitty movie, you were going to make me no, a like license if, to If you gave me something that was like, oh, this might be in the same veins. I always bring two for Synergy. Oh. I had the other one that I'm not going to give you until later in here last week when I gave you. I'd be very interested to see if you can find anything that works as Synergy with my next choice. Oh, God, I don't know. I'm almost positive you've never seen it, and you're probably going to have issues with me making you watch it. We'll save that. It's not irreversible, right? No. Okay, good. Then I'm good. Okay. (laughs) So, next time, 2x2 Retro Reviews, we will be discussing The Long Good Friday and The Big Hit. The The Long Good Big Hit Friday. (laughs) The Big Long Good Friday. We gotta get hit in there somewhere. The we'll big long hidden Friday. Suggestions. Yes. RKV Network <laughs> uh, on Instagram, at the RKV on Twitter, and uh, just search the RKV on Facebook. Again, if you want to email us to tell us if we're doing a good job or not, at the or the RKV at gmail.com, excuse me. And as always, it would be great if you would listen, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes to help us get to our uh, 200 ratings so we can get on Rotten Tomatoes if, if that matters to anybody. We're working on it. Appreciate anybody who's done it so far. We need 200. Uh, once again, thanks to the moms. I think we did that at the top yes, of the episode. All the seven mothers we know who listen to this show. Yeah. Shout out to Kathy. If she made it this far through this one, that, that's our mom. What is clear. it about people who call their parents by their so first weird. name, so dude? Weird. It's so weird. Why would you do Even that? Even all my friends call her Miss Kathy. You know, That's fine. Like, yeah. Love you, Mom. Love you, Mom. Uh, until next time, everyone. Uh, I have been Noah. I've been Gavin. We've been the Blanchard Brothers. And remember, stay safe, stay smart, and stay tuned. Hooah!